mission to explore the far reaches of cinema. Three daring adventurers dive deep into the Criterion and beyond. These are the tales of their adventures. This is Cinenauts! Hey, this is Ian. I'm Boom. This is Catcher. And welcome to another episode of Cinenauts Exploring the Criterion. This is our second exploration around Dazed and Confused. Last week, Catcher hit us <laughs> with Project X. Uh, great episode. Whether or not you've seen that movie, I recommend you go back and listen. And this week, uh, Boom has decided to take us to the land of Cameron Crowe. I think our first Cameron Crowe movie, uh, where we're going to discuss 2000s Almost Famous, or as Boom cryptically put in her review almost good <laughs> question mark wow call mm-hmm. me out right from jump but before we get to that we have some big news over here at the center we, we got huge mm-hmm. nudes we do huge nudes huge nudes huge, huge <laughs> nudes last week <laughs> something we knew that had been coming for months but we had failed to plan around mm-hmm. <laughs> uh the <laughs> sex in the city reboot aka and just like that just like that announced the date it will be coming to HBO Max uh, December 9th. Yes. And just like we promised all those months ago, <laughs> Synonauts in the City is also coming December exactly. 9th. Exactly. Un- unlike Mr. Big, we are committing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so our initial idea was to recap the seasons leading into it, but given that they gave us very short yeah. notice. No, no notice at HBO, all. No notice at all. We had to change our format. And we think I think this is actually going to work better. Yeah. So for fans of Sex and the City, uh, for fans who just want to listen to us talk about one of the greatest shows on television of all time and its mm-hmm. questionable reboot, uh, <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to record an episode in alignment with each episode of And Just Like That. So we'll do one episode and then... In the same episode, we're going to discuss a season. So pick our favorite highlights from the season, stuff like that. Obviously, it's not going to get too in the weeds, but, you know, we're going to we're going to discuss a season with an episode because there are eight episodes. Am I am I correct in saying that per season uh, or, or this think, for this event? No, I think it's 10. Yeah. 10. You said uh, so there are 10. There are 10 episodes. So we're going to do one per season, six, a six, b both movies. And then the last episode, we'll just wrap it all up. Just talk anything we want about sex in the city and Love it's going to it. be a great time oh it's going to be, gonna be a blast i'm so excited and we're gonna have some fun guests and we're yes. just gonna hash it out and also we're giving you lots of front room room to lead mm-hmm. up to i have no idea how words work but basically we're giving you enough time so that you can watch as much sex in the city as you can leading up to it please feel oh. free to write in with all of your your love your hate Mm-hmm. All of it. Mm-hmm. We want this is this is going to be so fun. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Like because I didn't get to watch Sex in the City till only like a handful of years ago. Probably like eight years, mm. six, six, seven, eight years ago. So I didn't get to mm. be there. I mean, I don't think any of us were really there for like when it first happened. So it's nice that we get to like I was be five. live. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you know, this is cool that we get to like be in the hubbub of it. Yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, and there are rumors that there's going to be a maybe a multiple episode guest host with us making her 
podcast debut. Yes. But we'll see. We'll see how that pans we'll see out. How it goes? That'll be a little teaser. I'm excited. I got my fingers crossed on that one. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, it'll be fun. All right, so Synodots in the City coming at you December 9th. Keep an eye out. So let's catch up really quickly. What did y'all do or watch this weekend? Who wants to go first? Or this week? This week. Um, go ahead, Moomy. Yeah, go catchy. Yeah. Um, okay, lots of things happening. I saw Dune again. Mm. It's back mm. in IMAX here in Toronto. It left for Eternals. Eternals did poop poop. Yeah, I think, and so they brought they brought Dune How back in. Great is that? I'm sorry, but well, like, yes, I remember hearing that Dune was getting like shafted for Eternals, and I was like, "What the heck?" And then it's just been so funny to hear that Internals just like flopped its way out of IMAX. I don't think I've ever heard of that happening before. So, no, this the is people good. wanted Dune back. They got it. Um, and this is what happens when we raise our voices, people. Which, we which is Brittany. Also cr- we got Dune back in IMAX. <laughs> That's right. We got the Snyder Cut. Everything about this is a great idea. <laughs> which is crazy because Eternals made like much more money than Dune. But um, maybe not in IMAX, I guess just, maybe. Yeah, maybe not in IMAX, stuff like that, I guess. Or maybe Marvel is just like, screw it, onto the next thing. Yeah. They just have so much stuff. But True. Uh, what do you think about Dune on, what is this, round two round, for you? Round three? two, round two. Uh, mm. I mean, IMAX is still the way to see it, though I think I may mm-hmm. have mentioned when we did a little mini review that I, I do wish I could hear it in Dolby. I think that would be amazing. Um, right. But I liked it so much more. Well, not so much more. I really enjoyed it, but I really felt it more as a as its own movie. Like, I really went into it mm. seeing, like, will this hold up? And I really found the story is more about the family and less about just Paul. And I kind of appreciated that more where this was a story about a family getting too like in over their head a little. Mm -hmm. Um, And he is the only member of the family by the end that manages to like sort of overcome that. And I think that was interesting. Um, But overall, yes, but just more. I need, I need the other one part two, please. Um, And that's all I'll say about dude. Um, Let's see. I've been trying to get Emma to play video games because she plays video games, but I've been trying mm-hmm. to find the one that gets her back in. And it turns out it was Minecraft all along. I just needed to download Minecraft <laughs> and uh, I have not, she has moved a TV from another room into the main mm-hmm. room Queen. and plugged my place. Well, our PlayStation into this now smaller TV so that I can watch almost famous on the big screen above that. Mm. So someone who didn't even, doesn't even want to have a TV in this room now has two TVs. Now in you're the double room. dipping. That's right. So <laughs> it's been a blast. She is creating a ginormous, a beautiful house in, uh, in uh, Minecraft. And we've purchased a second controller so that I can contribute. Um, she needs someone to go and get supplies. So as she's, as she's crafting and building, I have to go hunting. So I, I have a job now. Tag team Love action. That for you. That's, That's right. the dream. That's the dream. Yeah, it is actually. It's it's funny because our relationship kind of works the same in real life, where she's working around the house, like making the house look cool, and I'm just kind of hanging out, like changing the clothes on my character. And, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like kind of like what the first our first multiplayer experience was me spending the whole time being like, "Does this shirt look good? What do you guys think about this?" And she's like, "Hi, I'm putting in." An indoor pool, please. Can you hurry up? The zombies are coming. So it's <laughs> so it's been so much fun. 
Um, Kanye was on <laughs> Drinking Champ, uh, like a podcast. Yeah. And this was some of the most, like, he was, like, the most calm that day, I feel like. And that was really nice to hear. Like, he was in a good mental mm. space. And he and I, that felt nice to hear. And then he made up a Drake. He did, which is like the biggest news of all of history. Yeah, like, big news. oh my god, I'm so happy. I need them to be friends because I, I my heart does not I have, know how to. I deal have with a this. theory that this is TM 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 officially right now. If it comes true, yeah, that this is all a big play to release a dual album. Mm. They're gonna oh they're gonna do god. like the real watch. The, my mind. the real watch the throne two is uh is Drake and Kanye. Fuck. That'd be pretty lit, I guess. It I don't. I haven't even listened to the new Drake album, to be honest. I listened like five minutes and then turned it off. Yeah. yeah. It just sounds like a Drake album. Yeah, yeah, I was in an Uber the other day, though, in a song. Oh, no, I wasn't in an Uber. I was in my dad's truck. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you are not my personal driver. I love you. Um, and one of the songs came on, and I was like, okay. So maybe I'll listen eventually, yeah. but... You yeah, know. I mean, it's standard Drake affair. If you like Drake, I can't imagine you not liking it. Yeah. And if you don't like Drake, I can't imagine you liking it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like it more than Scorpion, but uh, but people have said the opposite, so I don't, I don't know. I'm just leaning into Sad Girl Fall right now. It's just yeah, been it's, like mm. Adele and like Banks and, you mm. know, just 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 like cry, cry, cry. Speaking stuff. of Adele, uh, Boom, were you able to watch the Adele special? I know that was no, big on your list. I wasn't because mm. uh, I was moving. Oh, but my great. mom recorded it for me, so I'm gonna go over and we're wow. gonna watch it together. Thank you, Donna. Sweet. And I also was able, like my, I was like, "Mom, we're gonna watch Adele, the Adele special together." And she's like, "If I have to," and I was like, "What? I thought you loved Adele." And she was like, "No, I just told you I did because you kept on buying me her CDs like when you were younger, and I did didn't want to upset Precious. you, but she's, but she's really sad." I was like, "Oh, fair, okay." That's how I feel. Like, yeah. I appreciate all of Dell's musical gifts and talents. Yeah. But like, I, I can't imagine, I can't listen to a whole album of hers, let alone seeing her in concert. Oh my God. Just that it'd just be so tiring. You know, I mean, respect to her. I have nothing against her at all, but it's just like, that is a grueling session to have, you know, there, there's a place and a time, you know, when yeah. the rain's fallen mm-hmm. and the, and the ovaries are mm-hmm. like, Hey, it's Working time. Overtime. Yeah. Yeah. It's time to put on that Adele and just cry it out. That's that's when you know. <laughs> uh, did you watch anything else this week, or did you have time? I mean, you were moving all over the place, so. Um, I I watched a few things. I watched Phantom of the Opera. Obviously, mm. I know you, Ian, you and mm. I were bonding <laughs> over that a little bit because, like, what a movie. <laughs> but I do okay. I wanted. I kind of brought this up in our chat, but like, I think you were too busy to see it. But like. Do you find that the sound mixing in that film is just kind of bad? I honestly haven't. Well, I haven't watched, watched it in, in years. For, okay, I, it's on. It's on Netflix, right? Maybe I'll give it a world. Yeah, see. I I just threw it on and I was like, I love everything about this film, but like the there are just certain parts where like the instrumentals and the vocals are kind of like not vibing with each other, and you really want them to be, but the acting, everything is great. Yeah. Um. But I did. I did quite a big watch. I watched uh, Passing. Mm, mm-hmm. Direct. Oh, it's like it just came out on Netflix. Uh, directed by Rebecca Hall, mm-hmm. starring Ruth Negga and Tessa Thompson. Mm-hmm. And Wait. yeah, it was like an interesting viewing experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like exciting but also challenging. Uh, it's like about a young black 
mother living in Harlem in the 1920s. And then she like runs into her old childhood friend who is also black, but she's like passing as Mm -hmm. white. Mm -hmm. And she's like married to a white racist man played by Eric Northman. um, Sorry, Alexander Skarsgård. And so, yeah, it's like a very loaded narrative uh, Mm -hmm. because exploring the act of passing kind of like just opens up a can Mm -hmm. of worms, really, Mm -hmm. you know, like colored people are like trans and non-binary folks like may do it for survival uh, or to kind of access spaces they wouldn't otherwise have access to. Uh, there's also some like privileged attached to the ability to pass at all um, mm-hmm. because not everybody can or could. But what I enjoyed about this film was it was like less about the social political elements of passing because mm-hmm. uh, I think it would be impossible to reel that in yeah, uh, and make it into like a cohesive film. But it more so places you in like the psyche of... Mm the characters and offers some like thoughtful exploration of how we self-identify and how we are perceived by others. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoyed that. Um, I really enjoyed that narrative. I did find the pacing to be very strange, (laughs) like the body (laughs) of the film compared to the end is quite a change of pace. And like the ending is really abrasive where I found like the body of the film to be very like sensual and thought provoking. And like, mm. I, I just had this vibe to it. And then the end, you're just like, okay. Um, I also yeah, really enjoyed it. It was the, Rebecca Hall's first film that she first, directed and read. Yeah. Wrote, so that's probably just actually, a growing pain type thing there. Oh, a hundred percent. But I'm very, very excited to kind of like see where she, what she does next. And nice. I was obviously apprehensive because I was like, okay, like, what is this white woman doing, like, directing a film like this? But then I was watching interviews and she has, like, a very specific attachment to it because she found out that her, like, grandfather was black and and was, like, passing. And her Mm. mother is also mixed race, but, like, didn't even know that until she was, like... Wow. Like, a teen, basically, Right. right? Um... So yeah, it was just like it I think she handled it well. Um it was it's good. I think people should check it out. Nice. I don't know how everyone will feel about it, but I thought it was good. Uh and the performances were so good. Like, oh my gosh. But yeah. Yeah, it came out at Sundance last year or yeah, January this year. And I remember there was a fair amount of talk around Tessa Thompson and, and Ruth Nega's performances, but that was so mm-hmm. long ago. Yeah, check it out if you can. Uh, on my end, uh, let me see here. On my I actually didn't watch too much. We're kind of busy around the house, so we just had a lot of background comfort food movies on. Nice. Um, nothing too crazy. Uh, I watched the new Riz Ahmed movie called Encounter. Um, it, it, premiered, it premiered at TIFF. It's, eh. okay. I, I, my, I said Encounter, more like Encounter. Get it? Um, it was fine. It was like, whatever he, uh, I'm sure Marcy will enjoy it. Yeah. I was um, about to say you better put spoilers up for Marcy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's basically like he, I don't want to say it because I feel like kind of getting, I've, I never watched a trailer, so I don't know how much was in the trailer, but it was whatever. It was nothing I had seen before. Um, let's see. But I started, I just got 
the I haven't finished yet, but I just got the 4K um, remaster of Akira Kurosawa's Ran, which was his like 1983 1984 film based off of King Lear, um, and it looks so good. I think like, you mentioned that on the Seven Samurai episode as like your pairing, if I remember. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe but. It, I could have. Yeah, I mean it's so so fucking good. I got like when I was watching it. I was like having like a minor existential crisis because I was like, man, there was like a, I mean, like jokingly, there was like a time for like people who love movies that like fucking Kubrick and Kurosawa were making movies at the same time. Wow. Like that's a hard, like that's very difficult. That's like a hard thing to achieve for like any sort of arts where like there's so much like people who are like declared like, definitive like goats of their like specific yeah. time like that's a wild thing to see like now I, I would have a hard time uh picking yeah saying like what two people at least 50 years from now 60 years from now where people are like man those two people were making movies like at the exact same time you know it's a crazy it's a crazy thing to think about um but yeah so i mean honestly that that, that was really it other than almost famous but before we get to almost famous do we want to chat Catcher, did you watch The Heart of They Fall? I was just going to say we cannot for, we cannot forget. Yeah, of course. Conversation. Yes, of course so, I did. Good. It is time. It is time. So let's spend some time ch- chatting about uh, the harder they fall. Boom! You tasked us with this. So do you want to go first? Yeah, I went into it super excited. Uh, the cast is just so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, the content. I didn't even watch a trailer for it. Like when I saw, I like heard a few months or heard like a year ago that it was being made saw it was on netflix immediately like dropped everything and put it on Mm. and honestly i don't even think i've watched a western in my entire life like that's never (laughs) been a genre where i'm like i'm gonna go do this like i've seen like quentin tarantino's like pseudo westerns or like whatever but um and i really liked it with Mm -hmm. with like no knowledge or understanding of like the genre really um I it thought hits it was the beats awesome. of like a western obviously yeah. it's yeah. It, it veers more on the tarantino side of like stylization Sty- yeah um, like specifically i think the opening scene it, yes big time big time yeah huge tarantino vibes and i was like i mm-hmm. hope the whole movie isn't like this but it wasn't thankfully no. yeah um yeah. but um it, it in terms of like structure and, and storytelling and beats it is very similar to a traditional yeah. Western. yeah it was just like very engaging very like um energetic and so much fun and it was just like nice to kind of indulge in a like blacky black genre film mm-hmm. like not hyper concerned with being like let's uncover all this trauma and talk about that for two and a half hours so we're all uncomfortable and crying and that's like the only thing we can ever focus on when it comes to black lives so this was super cool uh i thought the concept of kind of taking people who existed in real life and then just like throwing them all together i love when films do that but they never Mm -hmm. do it well like to like well I was about to say League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but like obviously those people were not, <laughs> those were not IRL Also, people. it was a comic book technically, but right, yes. Yeah, I see what you yeah. Mean, so I, I guess what I more so, like what I should have said was like, like, like pop culture figures or mm. like, I don't know, social figures in, in some sense. Like I love that like mix mishmash. Um, mm-hmm. And then some of the choreography was like, mm. like that train scene 
Like it was just hitting. The colors were popping. I definitely agree with you, Ian, on some of the set stuff. Though. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I enjoyed it enough. Like I thought it was, it was a fun watch. Um, it was cool to see just like all my favorite black actors on screen mm-hmm. at one time. I was thinking like, remember that, that photo that went viral maybe three years ago mm-hmm. where it had all like the black nominated actors all taking a photo backstage at the Academy Awards or something like, or it could have been the, um, it could have been like the Met Gala, something like that. There's a photo yeah. that went viral. And in my head, I was like, I wonder if they were just like, hey, we all need to make a movie. And like, this was the movie they ended up making like, all these years did. later. Because yeah. mm-hmm. um, in my head, that makes sense. Um, so that was very cool. Um, yeah, my only thing is like, and I took like, I gave it three and a half, maybe too harsh. But I, especially for a Western, I mean, I've said this before. I'm all about like texture in movies. Like I need to feel mm-hmm. like I feel the movie. Mm-hmm. especially when like it's a western like where texture mm-hmm. is so important like it's, it's supposed to feel dirty and grimy you want to feel yeah. like the dust they're breathing in uh and they're kicking around and like this had none of that no you know i was saying like if the costume designer was just like just threw their jackets on the ground for like five minutes every day <laughs> yeah i i would be very satisfied um so that it was, was like, like a, glossy and highly polished. yeah yeah which you know could have been by design but i think netflix yeah. just kind of does that a lot so i don't know if it was by design i think i think there was some now this is me sort of like pushing a lot on the director i haven't read anything or whatever but there is something in this movie is very like musically inspired Mm -hmm. there's a Mm hip-hop kind of vibe to what's going on and it's Mm -hmm. not just because there's black people in it but it's like the guy who directed (laughs) it you know what i mean like the guy who directed it is a musician you know it's like yeah and to me there is like a vibe of like especially in hip hop of you're always rocking clean air force ones. Like your fit is always Mm. looking and coming correct. And like this movie sort of has that vibe where it's like everyone in this movie is coming. Like it would not have the audacity to show up with a dirty coat on. Like these guys are going to come looking good. You know what I mean? Kind of blowing my mind right now. And that was kind of the vibe that I got only because you had mentioned it. And I was like, well, that's yeah. a good point. Like, Westerns should kind of be dirty, and I agree. But then I was watching, I was like, everyone is too cool to be dirty right now. Gotta like, get that dirt off your shoulders. <laughs> yeah, I actually, yeah. I think you you have won me over with that argument, I will yeah, say. That, that I was think good. That was good. That was a great pull. Yeah, I was, like, trying to figure pull. out, like, how do I say this? Because it's, like, mm. you no, know, that's, that's, like, right. that's the correct way to say it. You yeah, know, but, yeah, I, I, just, I just think that's that was the vibe. But overall, like, the movie, just to keep rolling with it, is, like, I had so much fun watching this movie Mm -hmm. Um, from like the first scene. I was just into it. And if it wasn't, it hadn't been so late that I'd put it on and it was like getting to like two 30 in the morning. And I was that, that was the only reason why I wasn't, I didn't finish it. The one, the first watch through because it Mm. was just, it had me the whole time. And like, yeah, even stepping like I hadn't, I didn't, even start it from the beginning i just went from where i left off and started from there and like right away like i was pulled in immediately um the acting is great everyone's doing amazing work idris alba does more with a chin in like the first (laughs) like that first scene (laughs) where you show up it's like it's Idris, and it's like and he's menacing and like the walk-in and um we won't get into spoilers but just like some of the revelations that you get to and just like i was trying to figure out like where does this all go and Mm -hmm. um, oh that Ending. The ending is crazy. Like, yeah. and it goes from being like, it goes from being just this fun action movie to like the credits roll. And like, I was thinking about it. 
for yeah. like two or three minutes. Like, wow, what oh, a yeah. compelling thing. Like, And the way they play that off is just all of it's great. Um, and then yeah. that little, little, little bit of whatever at the end that they have that mm-hmm. shot with the the bowler hat. Yeah. And you're just like, okay. Like, yeah. I, I don't Let's like do whatever. I'll take it. Whatever you got, yeah. I'm in. Like, I, I, I don't need a sequel. Ten of these. I don't need a sequel, but like, I'm fine with if you give me 10. Yeah, exactly. It like, was, it, it did really well on Netflix. So it wouldn't surprise me if they get did another, yeah. at least one more. Yeah. I'm so glad. The issue is there's so many huge stars like find try and find time when idris elba regina king lakeith zazi and jonathan majors are all like available hopefully Mm -hmm. it wasn't just like a lightning in a bottle covid they were able to Mm -hmm. do it because no one was filming but yeah that'd be great jonathan majors is fit as hell Mm -hmm. and there are some scenes of that dude like unfortunately in a situation where he's he's like hanging hanging but my god dude (laughs) Holy every sh- muscle every oh, like yeah that muscles i've that never was, seen before just like an and just like looking trap. yeah crazy he's also good at acting too which turns out genius such a nice i mean we bonus. knew i think we all knew <laughs> you guys both put me on i think so so boom guessed our prediction she got me right at 3.5 uh what did you guess for catcher wait catcher <sighs> what you what did you rate it no you give the guess first yeah 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 no, because what happens if he lies? And what says if you that, lie? You oh. I have, I have. Oh, a you haven't written. Okay, 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 okay. It's already on Letterboxd, but yeah. Oh, okay. I can. Oh, okay. I yeah. have a time-stamped prediction okay. where. Okay. okay. So do you want do you want me to give my my rating? Yes, please. Okay, so my rating, I teetered, but at the end of the day, I went four, mm-hmm. and I was trying to figure out if I was going to go higher, but I fig- I. What did you? Wait, do? you're. Four. Wow, yes. two for two. <laughs> okay, okay. So, can I ask why, like, what you felt was that was going to be the differentiator between my four and Ian's three point five? Yeah, or, or or why you thought I would like it at a four or both? Yeah. Well, okay. So Ian doesn't have white guilt, so he. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. This is no. Can I? Yeah. Okay. Continue. But we should talk about that actually. Sorry. I have a big I have a big thesis on that actually, but yeah, go on. <laughs> Sorry. No, so okay, when I watched it, I was like, this is a, a super fun movie. And then but and even though I kind of like full-fledged enjoyed it and just like allowed myself, I I think I gave it like four and a half. Um, but I was picking up on certain things. I was like, okay, Ian's gonna like the music, but all it's not all the needle drops. And mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. I kind of he when I said I was watching it, he like kind of mentioned the sets immediately. Mm. And then when I was watching it, I was like, yes, like this is going to be a thing. And I was like, this is and then some of like the stylization is like also hit and miss. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was like, this is definitely like sh- shit that Ian likes, but there's like going to be a little bit of nitpicking there. Mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. For you, for you, catcher, I was just like, he's going to be so blown away by this movie because. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was just like, he's going to I thought like you would still kind of pick up on those same things. But I think you are just like more likely to kind of similar to my experience, just be like, oh, this is cool. Like more so be more involved with like the excitement of like Mm. what is actually happening and Mm -hmm. like, you know. Because you guys are both like critical, 
mm-hmm. and then also not selectively. I think we all are, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, there are, there are things I my... give various passes to, right? Right. No, exactly. Uh, I can, can we just touch on something and like we can cut it if it doesn't. The conversation doesn't like really work, but like that whole idea of like white guilt was actually. It's funny you mentioned that because like there is something about. There, that was something that kind of came into my mind as I was watching it, where it was like, okay, I'm enjoying this a lot. I am having mm-hmm. fun. What, mm-hmm. like, what? Because there was sort of this shroud of like, Boom is also thinking about, like, there was this idea of like, Boom has an idea of what I might, how I might rate it. And so I'm like, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. what, what do I got to do here? What, what, what am I going to hit? Also factored. Yeah, exactly. But like, there is And some I do th- think, like, I do think, when, especially like the way we view films these days with and then with like everything that's going on and all the conversations that are coming up i do think that the way white people caucasians engage with these films can be very like there's a lot of ways it happens but i do think that like the the hype like the excitement they feel to be experiencing this like in this cultural moment Mm -hmm it kind of like elevates their experience right yeah yeah well it's like does that make sense yeah no no it does because it's something that i think about too it's like well this movie is doing a good thing but it's also doing this great social thing like you know where it's like oh we're seeing faces together on screen that we wouldn't Mm -hmm. normally see so that makes it new and fresh and exciting but it's like Mm -hmm. at the end of the day i'm i'm hoping that like where i'm coming from is like does the movie work? And I think like for me at the end of the day, that's what was the most exciting about the movie was like, I was so yeah. jazzed just by the propulsion of the movie. But it is something like I, I actively think about like how much of a, how much of like a social lens do we need to put on the stuff that we're covering and that Quite we're talking about, you know, it's, it's just yeah. cool. Interesting. Even topic. me, like I obviously like we've had conversations about a lot of like black cinema on this show and unfortunately not so much about Asian cinema because that is just very few and far between. Mm -hmm. But even me watching like black film, I always feel like hypercritical and like I have to really analyze it and determine whether it's meant for me um, or like what it's doing and, and why it's doing it, if that makes sense. So there is this like odd pressure. It's hard to just kind of enjoy things like free form. Mm. But I do think that this film was like the first time where I kind of was able to just like turn my brain off and be like, this is just a great black Wh- movie and has not much to do with anything. Like, which is good because that shows yeah. like progress in how yeah. people are making movies, right? Like, exactly. Even five years ago, this movie would have been about how a bunch of black people got over white cowboys killed all the white cowboys in town and then became like exactly. you know ran the show i don't think that's even mentioned one time like you know something like that uh in, no. in the movie it, it goes both ways right because people will look at a movie and negatively review it just because it has like a black slant or a person of color slant but i actually mm. think it actually works in reverse sometimes um, absolutely where like people feel guilty grading like not liking a movie because they feel like they're supposed to like it if like yeah this like this clearly has some sort of like liberal slant to it but just because of that like oh yeah like it was good but we're like it's okay to not like a movie yeah you know hey and it's it's okay okay, people (laughs) exactly 
anyway, what are we talking about today? Almost famous. Uh, <laughs> I'll make some cuts along the ways. Um, anyway, that was a great comp though. See, this is good when we yeah. hold off on certain movies to like just discuss them at slightly larger length. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We get some conversations like that. I agree. Almost famous for those who haven't watched it. Uh, it's about a boy loosely based off of uh, writer director Cam- Cameron Crowe. Um, surprise his is, surprise his name is william miller he is a young wonderkin journalist uh, in the 70s he's like 16 years old he loves rock music loves rock music i don't know if they drill that in your head enough times uh loves rock music and he gets a chance to write for um rolling stone magazine and he goes on tour with a band called stillwater um and it's just basically about his like summer touring writing about stillwater so boom mm-hmm. take it away all right Let's get into our time machines uh, and go back to 1973 when a 15-year-old Cameron Crowe begins his life as a rock journalist going on tour with bands like Led Zeppelin and the Eagles. Only nine years later, he would go on to write Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which is now regarded as a cult classic. And then in 1989, he starts directing and in addition to writing with Say Anything and then gets put on the map with the 1996 rom-com Jerry Maguire Mm. that earned a few Golden Globe and Oscar nominations. Um, So coming up to the new millennium, Crow decides to revisit his years as a rock journalist and write a film that is somewhat based on his life. Um, And this is a film that he had intended always intended to write and even when he was like writing those other films he was always kind of feeling like it was time uh to 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 do this one and get this one out there um so yeah so it's based on his years as a rock journalist and um and it's basically him as he like leaves his adolescence behind to pursue his adult dreams uh, but also captures a time of change, mm. uh, change that was often ushered in and perceived by the music of the 1970s and like the culture surrounding this era. Uh, and most of all, he wanted to tell, tell a story about people who just love music and the meaning of family. Uh, Almost Famous opened in theaters in 2000 and was technically a box office flop despite its massive critical acclaim. Uh, and to this day, it has persevered as one of the most beloved coming-of-age stories of all time. So yeah, so this was my first time watching this film. But the love for this film has always been like apparent to me since it came out. Uh, it's just known as... The, it's just known that this is like a loved film and, and kind of like an instant classic. So for you, both of you who... Are familiar with it what do you think like the formula is here that kind of made this like made almost famous an instant classic like what is it that like what do you think this like undeniable mass appeal is coming from um ian hmm. let's start with good question you. so for me and and people our age you know early 30s 30s late 20s um, and I think Catcher probably will speak to this more because he really like loved this movie. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this came out sort of at like the beginning of the internet. Came out in two thousand, right? And I feel like 
and while while like Rolling Stone and like the height of like sort of music, like music had hit a peak at this time in, mm-hmm. in the two thousands. Like MTV was like the thing, right? VH1 was huge, and so I think for people our age, like this seemed attainable, right? Like doing something like this seemed attainable, which I think is a core factor of any good um, coming of age story. Is that you have to feel like you could do it too, or it, this could happen to you? Yeah. Mm. Nice. Yeah, I mean, from my, I mean, it's weird. I, I downloaded this. I got this movie because I was trying to download stuff like off torrents, and it was porn, and it was like, <laughs> yes. And then this just slipped in by accident, and I turned it on. No, um, it was just a like a random fluke. I had no like desire to watch this movie other than it was like there were a lot of seeds. Like it mm. was probably as as simple as that. And I right. downloaded it, and I just enjoyed it. Uh, and I would just put it on all the time, like, before bed. It was the movie that I would put on. Um, and I honestly don't know why. Like, until mm. watching it mm. now, and it's I don't know how much of it is real, but, like, the influence of, like, Lester Bangs, like, mm-hmm. uh, what's his name? Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. Um mm. Like, how I feel about, like, talking about film is, Mm. like, feels oddly close to sort of how he speaks about music in this, Mm. Um, which was, like, really, like, quite, like, a revelation for me personally in terms of, like, oh, is this, has this movie actually, like, inspired me in a way I hadn't really thought about Mm. since I watched it in college? Um, But in terms of Boom, like, what you were talking about, I think really a lot of it has to do with... Critics love this movie because most critics are like, and I don't want to get like into the race thing, but like, we're like white people, right? And mm-hmm. if not all at the time, if, if not all, right? You know, and there is an if there and and uh, Days and Confused ra- runs on the same nostalgia, which is like of this mm. period of rock, rock and roll music of like rock stars at that time were both like like creative geniuses, like from a certain perspective, you know, like artistic Mm -hmm. geniuses while also being just like living the most rambunctious life, college life possible. And Mm -hmm. so this was like, Hey, let's go and examine what it would have been like to hang out with Led Zeppelin on tour or, or go and like listen, like hang out with all these bands that my dad loved that I now love that I don't have like a, like an attachment to that's from that time. It's like, living that time that my dad lived in. And mm-hmm. I think that's what this that movie, this movie and Days of Confused in a similar way captures that time period mm-hmm. in a way that removes all of the sort of complications and uh, difficulties and it's just the the pristine nostalgia that like everyone feeds off of. You know, it's just like I think that's to me like why this movie connects so well. And like if you have an, uh, uh, an appreciation for that time period or those people then I think this is just going to speak to you. Something like uh, what you're saying about how like Lester Banks specifically like kind of spoke very true words to you. Mm. Like I, I know Lester Banks was a real person. Um, I don't know mm. anything like about his writing or anything like that. Um, but he serves as sort of like Cameron Crowe's like thesis statement. Like yeah. there are a number of quotes like one um, where Lester Bang goes, you know, music, you know, true music, not just rock and roll, it chooses you. 
you know, it lives in your car, it's in your headphones, that sort of thing. And then he 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 says like a number of things as like he's guiding the main character William um, through like his journey of like navigating the rock and roll waters. Where it felt like Cameron Crowe was clearly putting these these things in along the way to be like, this is how I feel about music, and this is why you should too, or this is how you should feel too. Um, and so to me, I I, I noticed that um, it, it was a cool like mechanic. Um, the other thing with Lester Banks is that I forgot Philip Seymour Hoffman was in this movie. And so when he appeared on screen, I was like, God damn, like, that's awesome. I love being surprised by Philip Seymour Hoffman. You don't mm, get that often. Agree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I love him so much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, boom. What did you think? What didn't work for you or what did work for you? And then what maybe didn't per se? Um, honestly, not much worked Ooh, for me. Interesting. I know. Coming for him. I, I, <laughs> but not even I like I just felt I didn't connect to this at all and I was trying to kind of force the connection because I'm like I know so many people love it and um I just didn't get it like I I mm. like the messaging the narrative it, it, the plot points like nothing was really kind of speaking to me and reaching me at all and like when I think about it in retrospect I can kind of piece it together and be like okay like that's what I just watched but I was like quite numb to it and Mm. I don't know why Mm. I love music but I also didn't feel like well, okay, so I love music, but I'm I'm not big on like the the rock legends of the seventies, right? Like I like Elton John and like PP Arnold, you know, because yeah. I'm like a gay man, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, and that's kind of like the extent of it. So I guess kind of similar to what Catcher was saying, it's like I don't really like have that like nostalgia. Like I'm not fiending to like live the like rock the the golden years of of rock and roll um and to me like i felt this was kind of like hokey mm-hmm. you know and yeah. where i really enjoy dazed and confused is because there's like an auth- authenticity to it that i feel i can connect with n- even not knowing all the songs that are that are on the soundtrack but there's just like more of like a human vibe to it. Whereas mm. this, I, I, I just felt like everything was kind of disconnected. I didn't, I didn't really like any of the characters. Um, some of the casting, like the casting was good. <laughs> Everybody has like their own separate kind of characters, like were fit well, but like William and Penny just like opt optically, just like I couldn't, I was like, I know it's the seventies. Like I know people were, you know, that was the time where a 15 year old could be writing for Rolling Stone and like however old Petty Lane is would be on tour with like 30 old rock stars. I was like, I, I'm no qualms. Like that's, yeah. that's not the energy I'm bringing into this, but just like optically I, I couldn't <laughs> like fathom it. Like I was just like, this isn't working for me. Like I, sure. I didn't even realize that William was in love with Penny Lane, like, because I just thought it was so audacious. Like, so, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah. no, I actually, I kind of vibe with that in terms of I was watching it and I was like, I don't, I don't know if this is good. It's just, I know it. And it's just like one of these things where I'm like, I don't, it's, it's one of the first movies I watched more than one time. 
So mm-hmm. it's like, and it was at a time in my life where film was becoming increasingly more important to what I was yeah. thinking about in terms of creativity and art and all that stuff. And so it's like, I have like no real way of looking at this from an objective perspective. Mm. But I was watching it go along. I'm like, what? what is this movie about, really? <laughs> like, and, and I think that's a fair question because it's like, it's kind of at the end of the day, if we're going with what you said in terms of like um, Lester Banks being the like uh, voice for Cameron Code's thoughts, the movie is about learning that you have to stop trying to be cool mm. and not be like try chasing being cool chasing clout is just mm-hmm. gonna get you in the wrong place and and in in that perspective i think it's a, like an interesting thought to think about especially like nowadays with every like everyone is making content so that they can their content can hit like we have enough content but everyone just needs mm-hmm. to be making content because they all they want to do is be cool and succeed and make it big um and his idea of like well let's maybe not strive for that necessarily is cool that's peppered in a, a whole other messy story. Um, so <laughs> I kind of understand where Boom's coming from a little bit. There, Yeah, like structurally, there are some things to me that like didn't really work. Um, like, I love Frances McDormand. Amazing. I'm not really sure what uh, her character was doing. Like, because they positioned her as like this crazy strict person, but she's not. Like maybe that was so the point disjointed. that maybe that was the point that Zoe Deschanel like overreacted. Like maybe that could be like the end case with her. But like, I guess she took away the Simon Garfunkel records. Like that was kind of funny. Like they're on drugs, but like she still lets him go to the Black Sabbath concert alone. And like at the time, Black Sabbath like they were you know Ozzy Osbourne was like fucking ripping birds' heads off like on stage. Like <laughs> if you're gonna send a kid alone to a concert and you like don't want your kid to get into rock and roll demon music. Black Sabbath is not like we're going to. And then he's definitely not going to Dead Doving. Yeah, he's he's dead. He's definitely not going like on this trip. And I, I guess it's worth me to say because this is all true or like based on fact. I don't know. Mm. There's just something like written there that like didn't click with me. Like I'm not quite sure I understand um yeah. how that relationship really worked. Um, because you know, she like storms off and says, My you know, my son was kidnapped by rock stars and then nothing really comes out of like- it. It's like you know exactly where he is. Maybe she just needed someone to vent. I don't know. Like there is some like missing layers yeah. there for me. There's just these like moments of extremity that make no sense. Like that <laughs> Fra- Francis McDormand like the whole time. And then also um what's his name? The the lead um or not the lead, but the Billy guitarist. Credo. Russell Wait, Billy Credo. Russell, oh, Hammond. Russell, yeah. Russell Hammond and then like when William goes to his he's in the hotel with Penny in the like the hotel room and he's like freaking out and he's like do you remember that like he's like in the room and he's just like I am like I don't know like he's just like exclaiming but it's like so out of character for him like the whole rest of the movie like he has some moments where he's like you know whatever but he never strikes me as like the kind of rock star that would be in his room with a woman like being like i just need to like flow with the music and blah blah mm-hmm. blah like that like yeah, like just, pretentious yeah like the, a pretentious idiot kind of whatever i don't want to keep bearing this movie though catcher yes because mm. i did i did enjoy i did too 
a good I, amount I, of it. I, mm-hmm. I did, yeah. So, so talk to me about some parts that, that really stood out to you. Um, well, I just think – I think the acting for me works mm. across the board. Everyone is playing their part extremely well. He is very yeah. young and very impressionable and, you know, but there is a sort of intelligence to him. That's sort of the whole – setup is like he's a little bit smarter maybe than everyone else which is why mm-hmm. he's able to do this i think is a little bit of the setup mm-hmm. at the beginning is like um but just the you know the struggle of a bit like i've hung out with bands you mm-hmm. know like th- this sort of like back and forth and whatever just like all of that feels genuine in terms of the messiness of the dynamics of what a band is like and and an or an art just artists trying to make it and struggling mm-hmm. to f- figure out how to do that in a way where they're not selling out you know because like this is this movie again is like all about like not selling out like this is mm-hmm. the biggest problem all of these characters have in their lives is like how do i not sell out which is funny mm-hmm. because it's really who gives a fuck but like you know but <laughs> yeah. for these characters at this, at this time like that's what was everyone cared about was like not to sell out um right. as they proceed to sell out at every turn right um uh but for, for, oh, sorry, sorry go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. For performances, um, I really loved Kate Hudson in this. Like Amazing. her introduction was just like it was just so cool. Like, um, you know how he's talking to that one girl, like the not groupie, the band aid or whatever, and then she like comes out and they sort of introduce her and she has this outfit and those glasses on. Like she just looks so cool mm-hmm. in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, the dialogue around that I think is a little bit silly but like the way she's introduced there is very cool um yeah so i i thought kate kate hudson was like a really strong point for me i th- i thought she was really interesting character to watch throughout the whole thing um especially because i think like the concept of groupies and sort of mm. people who like follow bands around all this sort of stuff like that is a complicated subject especially like at the time like you know like boom was saying there's no question that uh rock bands um of the era and i'm sure to today to some extent like just had women follow them around and like passed literally passed around like dealt in poker games um and the way i think that's handled was was interesting to me and the way that in particular how she reacts at the end where william thinks he's like saving her by telling her this thing where she like kind of knows and she needs to hear it but then she goes so i'm only worth like a 12 like what kind of beer did they get i thought that was a, (laughs) a really powerful like line um for for her to say there i don't know if it's powerful but i think it's interesting just in yeah, terms yeah. of like not like women powerful but like her as a character i yeah. think that was a good piece of dialogue to put where it's there. like it no sense. i like sure fine like i'm gonna let this roll off my shoulder like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't matter to me boom were there any performances you like yeah i mean i liked honestly i don't have like much negative to say about the performances i thought kate hudson was outstanding mm-hmm. for sure um i didn't always love the character but I thought her playing that character was absolutely perfect. There were certain moments where, and also I was kind of like, wow, I didn't know Kate Hudson mm. could do that. Cause mm-hmm. she was kind of around. She was 19. I think this is like one of her first movies. Which is very impressive. That scene when she finds out that like they're leaving and they're gonna leave her behind behind basically and they've given her the birthday cake and just like the range Mm -hmm. in that scene of her just kind of like realizing it and then kind of like talk like internally like you can see that she's like internally talking herself off a ledge and then is just then trying to like brush it off 
um, incredible. I hated Russell Hammond as a character, mm-hmm. but thought the performance was incredible. Um, Jason Lee as well. Also, how hilarious is it that this film opens with um, Alvin and the Chipmunks? I know. Mm-hmm. And then it's Jason Lee. And then it's Jason <laughs> Lee. <laughs> I actually thought about that earlier. <laughs> oh, is he? Oh, that's right. He's in he's, the... He's in he's, the yeah, yeah right. he's like the dad of he's, the reboots or whatever not steve that's steve is garfield who's any alan no because it's alvin Alvin. whatever who cares Uh (laughs) but one dialogue is kind of what pulled me out of the movie like every so often but Mm -hmm. there is a moment where they have to explain why she's named penny lane and like this movie is about people who love music and for people who love music and they throw in the lane penny lane like the beatles song i'm like come on just like just, we just know. let that go we know if you don't yeah. if you don't know what it is you don't know what it is but you do exactly odds are you do yeah. <laughs> so, i i thought that was silly but, it, but is it interesting though about, about this movie though that like there is like what is like the narrative thrust of what we're talking about tonight like that is quite interesting that we both we're all sort of like like not struggling but like trying to reach something about like what this movie is about and it's like I, it's hard i think it's i think it's because like it's it's all like what it is, right? Like Ooh. it's not very, yeah. I think because of the How character. How very 70s of you, Ian. It's all happening. <laughs> it's all what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's because of Phillips, of Lester Banks, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character that I think it leaves very little to to discuss on like additional levels. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the whole thesis of the film is just placed out right there, like entirely. Like here are what I think, this is what the movie's going to be about. And then the end result is he yeah. writes an article exactly what Philip Seymour Hoffman says is going to happen. Everything he warns about, don't be friends with them. Uh, you know, they're a mediocre yeah. band. He lays it all out and and does. So there's not too much wiggle room as to like what else we think. And like what Catcher was saying about how like the concept of selling out is not a unique thing. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to be a musician or whatever to think about selling out. Like people think about selling out for like their regular jobs. Like, yeah. you know, I don't want to go work for x company because that's like corporate america yeah because that's selling out like you don't have to be a rock star to have that idea in your head um you know so i i think all this just sort of leads into like not a surface level discussion but discussion that's very much like we kind of know what's in front of us and you you Mm -hmm. have your opinions about it Mm -hmm. because it's a surface level movie i think but but that's okay because 100 it's like not everything has to be layered with like nuance and and all this shit right yeah so i think it is definitely successful in that sense like it's feel good it tells you what it's doing Mm -hmm. and then does it and it gives you performances and music and whimsy um you know like it's all there and like what i said before it captures a coming of age dream like Mm -hmm. 100 it it does that so accurately even when i was watching it i was like shit could i go be like a music like can i go follow a band around right now and like write for rolling stone or you know like i felt that watching it um well beyond a coming of age (laughs) story years um (laughs) so yeah i mean I, i think it accomplished like everything it's 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 sent out to do I, it's no surprise to me this was such a huge movie, um, you know, when it came out and stuff. Yeah, it's definitely a vibe. So I mm-hmm. I think, like, I understand why people are into it, right? And I think everybody has that movie. And mm-hmm. obviously this movie is that for so many people. Um, so, yeah, so, like, I feel bad coming in 
and being like, why does everybody like this fucking movie? But <laughs> <laughs> but it's not bad. It's it's not a bad movie at all. I just think that my the the places that I would or like the films I would watch to find comfort and like connect with something the same way people connect with this are just different. Mm-hmm. But that's okay, right? Yeah. So I I mean like a lot of that is I'm sure nostalgia, right? Like um, you know, our friends over at 70 millimeter, they just did the Goonies and um I I didn't watch it, but I I had seen it like once, but I had like no strong attachment to it. But I saw, you know, some of the villagers over there at the VHS village. Um reviews coming in were like anyone who hadn't seen it, they're like, Yeah, this was good. And I think this kind of falls in the same way because a lot of movies like at this time, um, like late nineties, early two thousands, I don't think are particularly good. Like if we're going to go through the best movies of like the early 2000s, they're like kind of few and yeah. far between. And I think the 80s are very similar. If you're trying to pinpoint like what what is cinema of the 80s, it's like these fun yeah. adventure like action movies like that. That's what 80s movies are. And like 90s movies kind of have I, I can't really pinpoint what the genre would be. Definitive. Yeah. But late 90s, early 2000s, I don't think there are too many movies that like stick yeah. out. Like, I mean, Jerry Maguire, Cameron Crowe also wrote and directed before this, got him Oscars. Yeah is probably one of the most iconic movies of this time. And if you watch it now, I, I've watched it not too long ago. I'm like, this is good, but I'm not like, I don't feel the need to come back to it. So I think totally. a movie like this, when it came out, yeah, there is a sort of nostalgia required for it. Yeah. In, in and, it, and, it, and you're a hundred percent right. Like there's like, it's solid. It's a solid film in a yeah. time that like things were a little wonky. It's actually kind of funny. You call out the eighties as well, because I feel like, it's like these in between decades yeah. after this like huge cultural push mm-hmm. of some mm-hmm. sort, like the 70, 60s, 70s, huge. And then the 80s, like the the fallout of that was everybody just kind of like trying to figure it out, like mm-hmm. 80s, early 90s. And then we kind of start getting back there. And then the early 2000s, as we were talking about, like in Project X was just like, this weird kind yeah. of limbo time. And now here we are where we're kind of back to kind of the, like the mindset of the seventies being like more interested in like civil rights and, and what we need to do and things like that. And I feel like film is always a reflection of that. And you can like feel that limbo in like eighties and right. like early two thousands yes. films. So I just Googled <laughs> 2000 year movies that came out in the year 2000. And I think this proves my point tremendously well. The first, literally first result is Road Trip, the Tom Green movie. <laughs> uh, oh, there uh, are some, Todd Phillips, right? Yeah, Todd Phillips. There are some classics in here. So like American Psycho is in there. Requiem mm-hmm. for a Dream, which I kind of suspect doesn't hold up if I watch it now. I bet you it does. Uh, I don't know. I bet you it does. You think it does? Yeah. D- Darren? Yeah. Come on, Darren. It's Darren. Let's be Unbreakable. Um, Memento. So there are mm-hmm. five, like, so there are four, like, strong movies that I think people continue to watch now. But then it gets like not great very quickly. Like the Patriot, uh, <laughs> Castaway. A lot of people don't oh, hey, like. Like, hey, oh. hey, hey, wait, wait, wait. Hey, I know, I know. Hey, Space Castaway. Cowboys is in here. Space Cowboys. Uh, yes. The Beach. You were uh, naming off my DVD collection. The du- <laughs> The Dungeons and Dragons. That's what I'm. That's what I mean, though. Like yeah. these movies, like were big yeah. at the time, but has there been a need to come back to it? Like no. not, not really. Yeah, um, and there's no like staying power to them either. Like nobody's talking about road trip in 2021 right. and then you know? like going forward to 2001 
worse. This is uh, <laughs> Harry Potter one comes out. Okay, oh, and no. Fe- Maggie, and, cover your ears. And Fellowship of the Rings. So perfect movies. Uh, okay, but then beyond that, A Beautiful Mind. Mm-hmm. Glitter, Original Sin, Pearl Harbor. Oh, don't talk shit about glitter. Who, Pearl, don't you Pearl dare. Harbor, though. Okay. Pearl Harbor, though. Uh, terrible. One of the Planet of the Eights reboots. You know, I mean, there's just like, there are, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking so like, don't I, I think Mulholland Drive and Vin Sky came out this year. Two great movies. But I'm just saying overall, you know, there is a weird period of movies at this time that don't yeah. age well. No, I, but I think like Lester, bless his soul, gets into that in this thing where um he's talking about you know this is the this is the death rattle you know and mm. you know the 60s or like late 60s um was this period of like you know uh social reform and uh musical creativity you know we have the beatles and we've got all this stuff where it's like oh my god like everything is opening up and we have something to stand for we have mm. something that means something to us that's happening mm-hmm. to us and we're, we're becoming better for it. And so then what happens is like that honesty becomes commercialized. And mm. that's how you get to the eighties, like the emptiness of the eighties of like hair metal and all that stuff where it's like, yeah. everyone mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's this weird like uh, thing where everything that has some sort of like cultural significance is just like cheap and empty. And the 2000s was a similar thing where you have like the grunge ish of the 90s, you know, and like, mm. and the, 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 you know, the, um, yeah. the growth of hip hop and all that stuff where it's like mm-hmm. the 90s was a time of like people feeling real things, fuck Reagan mm. and all that stuff. And the 2000s, mm-hmm. like, well, we kind of sort of solved things kind of, and we have nothing of any value to say right now. Um, yeah. And that, and, you know, I think that's part of it. Just okay on the topic of like music, like music culture and all of that. And, you know, we grew up in the very much so grew up in the era of like rock and roll, like real rock and roll is dead and Mm -hmm. all of that. And we've seen a bunch of shit in our, we've seen some shit in our time. Like we got Weird Al, we've got Mm -hmm. like low, like hi fi, lo fi, like dubstep like we've been through some phases um and like and i know you both are music lovers so like what do you think like genre wise like for me i have an easy answer for for this but like a genre that'll persevere and has staying power um that won't that 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 doesn't die Hmm. That evolves. Like, what? What is that for you? I I don't necessarily think it's so much about a genre that will persevere, but it's more the way people listen is going to persevere. Mm. Like, John, like tying yourself down to one genre is no longer a thing, really. Yeah. Like, you're kind of dumb if you like. I don't listen to hip hop, or I I yeah. only I only listen to rock music. Like that that doesn't exist anymore. Um. So I I think in terms of like how music has like progressed, that is actually the bigger impact. Is that you can like you can love Taylor Swift and you can love Kanye West and whereas yeah. like when again in the two thousands is like you know Limp Bizkit was like yeah fuck Britney Spears you know it's like you would never catch yeah. yourself like appreciating two things at once when now it's like yeah like I fuck with Harry Styles you can and just I like you know like yeah you can just like everything I think that's the bigger long totally. impact of and things are just I mean my observation is that like you know rock and roll as we knew it like in the seventies or whatever that is those days are long gone because 
music has become so commodified and all of that. And there's people still like grassroots just doing things. But yeah. I think like hip hop um, and maybe like folk music just have been able to kind of maintain the, their authenticity. Like, mm that those genres have been able to like maintain their, their authenticity. Um, I think hip hop mostly because I mean, it, it's a newer genre came out in like the late seventies, early eighties, right. At like mm -hmm. a party in New York. And then it just like was born in such a powerful place, but then I keep on seeing it like adapt and change, but it's also so intertwined with like, like selling out has never been a thing because like that's always that's the been goal. the fucking, that's the fucking goal. dream. <laughs> yeah, that's actually interesting. Exactly. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but um, then you also get like conscious rappers, you know, where it's like Okay, but I hate that term so much because it's like what is what's a not conscious rapper? I no, I understand what you mean. I just meant for in terms of like that aesthetic, yeah. but I I think what you're talking about is rap had its rap uh sorry, rock, you know, from like let's call it like the 50s like well like early 60s to the 90s was the predominant genre and so and what it is is it mutates and changes it goes from like sort of rockabilly whatever to then you get like this harder rock mm -hmm. pop rock mm -hmm. all this stuff mm -hmm. then you get to like post-punk and punk and all that other whatever and at a certain point it's like how f this mine is only going to contain so much stuff um, and yeah. I think what you've seen now and like what you saw with Project X and like at sort of that time period and maybe a little bit before was this change up of like hip hop being sort of the mainstay uh, music genre and mm. just the way it explodes. And, you know, back in the day, it was just like. It was only one kind of rap, you know, like that was popular at one time. And now it's like there's a million kinds. I, I also think like in, in terms of like the lasting power of music, another thing that our generation will probably linger on is that like it's okay just to like have fun listening to music yeah you know? serious thing like it doesn't have to be serious all the time like yeah. like you can go to like the most shameless edm show and have the time of your life and oh, never listen to that dj again but it's so fun to go you know and i think that is also something that can, that has come yeah. out of like our generation or do you think that's something that we like grow into just naturally as that. people yeah because be i think like because i feel like when i was younger like my music was so important to me and it was like a part of who i was and i still listen to all that music and love it but now i'm not very concerned with that i'm like this whatever i'm listening to isn't doesn't feel like a representation or extension mm. of myself and my morals and like my view of the world and I feel like our parents were probably like that too. And now like they just kind of throw on Simon and Garfunkel and they're like, this is chill. Like, Smoking you know, good time. I don't know. <laughs> no, I think that's true because like when you're a teenager, you are so like, you're surrounding yourself with stuff to like define, you're trying to figure out who you are. And so the music, yeah, like the like stuff. Yeah, you're like Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, God, my iTunes collection was so well curated and I cared so much about the names and this and that and everything mm. looked so clean. And now it's just like, oh I, God, I yeah. don't even have an iTunes collection. Torrenting and organizing, baby. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Full-time job. That's for real. So that's real. Uh, would you look at that? We talk about the flatness of this movie and then we go on for another 20 minutes. And then we, it literally just inspires. Yeah. I was looking like at the time. I was like, oh, we're going to get it in like a nice hour. <laughs> this is going to be no. great. And then um, before we move on to our categories, I do have to say 
as you were discussing that, I looked at 1999 movies, and I take back my slander on 1999. No. That year fucking slapped. Dude, that's like uh, one of the big. Yeah, that's one of the biggest years slap. in, in Magnolia, Eyes Wide Shut, American Beauty, Asterix, Asterix, The Matrix, Star Wars came back. Star Wars, yeah. So I, I The Mummy, shout out. Um, so I, I take back what I said about 1999. <laughs> uh, anyway, so if in case you forgot what we were talking about, we're talking about Almost Famous. Um, but let's get to our categories. So. If you're listening the first time, first thing we do is our criterion moment, which is the moment or scene in which we think why this would be in the criterion or if it should be. Um, I'll catch you when I go first. Sure, yeah. Um, literally any scene with Lester Bangs. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I'm sort of, I'm in a, a little bit of a toss up because I love the open, his introduction where mm-hmm. you meet him and he's just like, Jim Morrison, at the DJ. this guy's a this guy's a drunk. He's a buff, he's a drunken buffoon. He's like, give me the guess who. Like they at least have the uh, the audacity to like admit they're that they're drunk. drunken buffoons, you know. And I'm just like, right. I love this guy. I love him. Uh, his energy is so good. Um, and I kind of feel the same way about the Doors. So it just like made me. It makes me happy. Um, but the scene where he says, it's like at the end, and he's talking about how uncool. He's like, um, what's the character's name, the main guy? William? Mm-hmm. He's just like, it's like I, I've met you. Like, you're not cool. Like, they made you feel cool, but like I've met you. You're not cool. Um, and he says, the only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. And there's just something about that that just, like, speaks wonders to me, where it's just like, mm. all the artifice, whatever, when you're just like, two of your friends hanging out like how do you how do you feel about something and and giving your opinion and like maybe it's not even how you really feel but you have the honesty of sitting down and trying to be and and trying to be honest with yourself and i just like love that my cartier moment is so cheesy and so stupid but i had a dumb grin on my face <clears throat> was when they started singing tiny dancer on the bus perfect that's mine oh s- sorry boom we can talk about it together uh okay. It's so dumb and like it's not it's dumb. Like, it's not, but dumb. it's so it's so cute and like makes makes you feel good. So I, I really love it. Before we get to Catch's defense, boom! What did you? What was your thoughts on that? Okay, wait. Also, though, with the score, mm. is it constantly just the piano from Tiny Dancer over and over? Like, or was it something else? <laughs> I hadn't listened. I didn't catch. It was that. driving me. It was driving <laughs> I did, me. I didn't nuts. catch that. What about that scene, Boom? Oh, it's just adorable. And as yeah. I said before, I love Elton John. So I was oh, like, finally, right. we're all on the same page here. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Cameron Crow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Catcher, I don't think it was dumb, but it was just like, again, very much like Cameron okay. Crow, like batting you over the head saying music right. can heal everything, you know, so yeah. d- dumb in that sense is yes. what I mean. He's well, like I the just... coming of age M. Night Shyamalan. Hey, <laughs> I hey, was no. just thinking about it more of like from a perspective of like say like our conversation with Armageddon where it's like oh, it Armageddon take me back it's cheesy <laughs> but like do you feel it or not and the truth yeah, is no like, you did feel you, it yeah I felt it 100% it, you know? that, that yeah, was the only yeah. defense I had it wasn't like you know I didn't have a no I one, 100% it. felt it um 100% felt it um great picks uh let's go on to do we think this was a good pick for uh, comparison to discuss uh, around Days Confused. I, I basically said I think it's a perfect fit for it and 
basically every way. There might be um, few. I, there may be like there may not be a better like you know what I mean. I like yeah. I'm, I'm try, I, I would be hard pressed to find like the, a better pick for this. I think. Um. Yeah. <laughs> you talked about it with Days Confused. So you do you not think it was a, a good selection against it? Um, no, I actually think it is like complimentary for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh I obviously like Days and Confused better. Mm-hmm. And I think like stylistically um very different, mm. but still kind of capturing a moment in time. Um, that had great significance for sure. So yeah, that, and, and also the kind of like fighting to kind not fighting, but that like searching that, like you feel that in both of those movies, right? Mm-hmm. Like I know that the kids in Days and Confused are just like fucking around, but there's still this like need, like they, they're, they're putting all this importance on this, on this day and yep. this evening. Right. And then. It, that's kind of a similar vibe to what's happening in Almost Famous. Like people are just kind of like, I want to live big and live mm. fast, and yeah. So, mm. yeah, I nice. think they're. It was a good pairing. Yeah, nice. I, th- I think Dazed and Confused is a little bit more. What's the word? Like, uh, what's the word? Like not like not negative, but there there's something about it that's sort of. Uh, there's more cynicism. In cynicism. Thank you. This is this movie is a movie for optimists. Yes, that's exactly right. But those things that yeah. Ian just said, exactly. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's why I don't like it. It's because I'm too much of a Miranda. I'm very cynical. <laughs> I'm with you on so that. maybe there is something about. Um, awesome. So we got uh, before we get to two boom, we got one email. If you want to shoot us an email, you can do it at cinnotspod at gmail and this is in response to last week where we asked people to send in their um, their favorite high school party stories. Uh, this is from Chris L. This might have worked better as a voice memo, but I just need to get it to you guys. Hey, Cynonauts, first off, I'm shocked that the term Skins Party didn't come up during the Project X episode when they were talking <laughs> about the specific late 2000s crazy party phenomenon, especially considering there's some Dev Patel fans over there, but I digress. <laughs> uh, here's the high school party that comes to mind. In grade 12, a girl from school who we'll call Jane, fake name, was throwing a party on New Year's Eve while her parents were out of town. Jane and I, like many of our high school, came in from out of area. Uh, So I was particularly excited because I lived in a neighborhood called Winford, which is basically the cluster of apartment buildings cut off from everything else by valley and a highway. But Jane's party would be in a neighborhood that was just a five-minute bus ride away um, on a great snowy New Year's Eve. So the party gets going, and it's a great time. Lots of people and my friends have never met. But as the night goes on, not only is it getting more rowdy, but as people are going out for a smoke, Jane insists it's fine for them to smoke inside. Yikes. Oh, no. Uh, (laughs) It wasn't my party, but it seemed like a bad call. So I was like, are you sure you don't want to ask people to go outside? No way. It was fine. Good times continue into the night. Beer spilling floors. People butting their cigarettes on the rug. Oh, Oh, my God. God. Helping themselves to the house's food and general merriment becoming a rager a friend and i are in the kitchen we were talking about how early we were surprised that jane lived near me we thought she was an area 30 minutes away so but it could have been mistaken my friend points to the fridge this is a critical to the story though we haven't (laughs) met her family we do know that james family is not in fact caucasian she is chinese and so is her family on the fridge is a lovely picture 
of a white family on holiday. It clicked. <laughs> it turns out Jane was house sitting for another family while they were Jane! out of town for the holidays and decided they were a rager. Holy oh my shit. God. Jane! Girl! Honestly, if she would have gone to professionally clean, there's no way the beer and cigarette burns would have coming out of the rug. I wouldn't want to be that family coming back. Bold move, Jane. I would rate the party 10 out of 10, though. Holy smokes. Shit, Jane. Perfect 10 10 party. Perfect 10 10 party. I did not see that coming. That was a plot twist. My goodness. That That was was a freaking plot twist. Holy smokes. That is wild. Oh my God. That is a bold decision. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. That is freaking amazing. That is amazing. Oh my God. Also, that poor family. Yeah, but also the that poor audacity, family. The audacity, Jane. The audacity. Uh, Jane boom. rules is the new shirt. I, I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. say I'll make that I don't. Jane make. also rules. Yeah. Uh, boom. Let's go to social tea with Boom. This week, Boom asks, what bands would you go on tour with? Uh, because that is obviously the crux of this film. Omar says, Basement. Very nice. Uh, Niche Cinema says, Foo Fighters. Great pick. I also thought like, how fun would it be just to hang out with Dave Grohl all the time? He'd be great. It'd be fun. Uh, Marcy, dear Marcy, says Kate Nash. Um, dear friend, co-host of 70 millimeter. Danny says Figrin Daan and the modal nodes. I don't know who they are. Um, Danny, I'll have to get that details from you. Uh, too cool for us. And catcher also twinsies. Uh, we both said Radiohead. Of course. Which is ob- oh. the obvious pick to yeah. go on tour with. Because who wouldn't want to hang out with those weirdos? Honestly. And listen to amazing music. Um, right. You can go on a whole tour with them and not hear every song you want them to play, which is amazing. It's I true. Thought, I think I'd go on tour with Lizzo because I feel like she knows how to party. Yes, mm. she does. Absolutely knows how to party, yeah. living that rock style life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, she she is keeping the rock style rock star she life. She is. She's alive. getting hammered, dressed up as Baby Yoda running around town. Oh my god, it's your baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. I laughed. What a queen. Well, that was almost famous. Uh plus like a whole bunch of other stuff. So thank you all for hanging yeah. out with us. We made it this far. Uh next week we're gonna wrap up our exploration of Days to Confuse with my pick of the great Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia. Another PTA meeting. Another baby. PTA meeting. We're here just ahead of Licorice Pizza, so I'm excited because it's talk more PTA. Ooh. Uh, but in the meantime, thanks so much. Boom. Thank you. Catcher. Ian. Pleasure. What a gift. As always. What a gift you two are. (laughs) Uh, Center Knots in the City coming soon. Start catching up on that. That's right. And uh, otherwise, we'll talk to you all next week. Aiden for life.